Fun fact about Claire. She's the worst driver in the world. (laughs) Claire has always, always managed to smash every single one of her cars. When I was in high school with Claire, she had a blue Volvo that made me terrified every single day and it was pretty smashed up. But when she became an adult, I thought, surely this is the time. This is the time where she's like, oh, wait, I can't run into things anymore. (laughs) She got a brand new car. A VW Golf was so lovely and then within months it had looked like you had just driven it through a forest with a (laughs) blindfold on. It was incredible. But a forest filled with like those yellow yellow poles and and so the car was just covered in yellow paint because all these poles that everyone sees and goes, oh, yeah, I'm not going to run into that. And Claire goes, I'm going to run into that. (laughs) Really, really poor spatial awareness. You do. It's made perhaps an appetite for fun. Welcome to Good Sheilers, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes us all tick. I'm Bron, a comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the gut. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilers. Hello, mate. Hi, I didn't read that. I, it's the first you see, that's time, the I did first it. time ever I've, and I was so shocked that I stumbled over my own work. Yeah, I was like, Claire, a bit of professionalism wouldn't go astray here. Come on. I just always think, oh, imagine how annoying would it be if I have to start again, we have to start the podcast again because I've forgotten what we're doing at the start. And it's and then it turns out that even where we haven't done it for months. I know. It's in my head. Every time we're like, we're back. We're like, yeah. just drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Everest. we are we are going to record two of them today I know, two and of release them, them. Smash them out, yeah. Because I like over my time in the industry, entertainment industry, I um I, I've realised that people record multiple episodes a day. That is crazy, so but also so smart, so smart. Because we're already here, yeah. In the in the studio, Claire, they're here. We're hello, hello. <laughs> and so we're going to record two today. So we're going to release them. Hopefully one after the other. Maybe at the same time. Maybe we'll overlap them and they'll be ripping in your ear at the same time. And you time. can listen to them at the same time. At the same time. And you'll be like but this. But at half the speed. Yeah. Oh, so yes. So it takes the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Problem I'm solving. So yes. It'll be so, your brain will be like, this is delicious. This yum, is yum, so yum. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing, mate? I've been. Oh, Okay, so let's go back to where was where did we leave off last time? Left last time was it one when we had no we had Claire Hooper and then we had another one, and uh, I think I was you just started your show. Ju- yeah, I just yeah. started my show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival that went for a whole month, and then since then I've taken it to um, Sydney, and um, yeah, so it's been it's been a oh, it's been a bit. And my show, you came twice and it was very fun. I really I liked it. did come twice. Except you Such did. Such a good person. You are. Except both times. <laughs> both times. Because, Claire, you don't like when, you don't like when um, you're addressed as, as an audience Do member. Do not address me. Which is ever. fine. Happy to not. In life. Happy to not. Do not call me. <laughs> I'll drive my car straight into you. 
I was happy to not, but both times you came in, I offered a question to the audience and both times you were willing to be the person to answer. I don't know answer. why. It's just like a tick. I'm like, that relates to me. And of course it does because we both grew up in Canberra. Like there's very yeah. little where we don't overlap in some kind of threshold. But you, it was, I think, I can't even remember what the first one was, but the second one was like, Is there, did anyone here grow up with a Tarago? And this was the second time you'd seen my show and you'd understand, understood that you didn't actually have to answer i knew it could be quiet yeah but you did but you did and you're sitting at the back and i can't see people at the back so when you said i had a drago i didn't know it was you and i went oh really what color and then i felt like this tension come from the back of the room and i was like it's fucking clear (laughs) and you're like white or something i was like oh wow cool thanks claire Oh. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. And the funny thing is I panicked both times. I yeah. don't even know if what I said was true. Like the first time you were like, has anyone ever flown Rex? Oh, that's and I right. I was like, yeah. And then, then you were like, oh, where to? And I was like, fuck, I don't know. And I just, I was like, Cairns. <laughs> Rex goes to Cairns. <laughs> and the so. second one, I'm pretty sure we had, I remember we had a Mitsubishi L300, which is like that, that box with wheels. You amazing. Know, the one they just like rock, you go, you go down the highway and they just rock side to side if there's a breeze. Oh, Terrifying. Amazing. I'm pretty sure we had a Tarago. Oh, wow, so you, you didn't, I, I don't think you had a Tarago. Yeah, I don't even know. Wow, you came to my show armed with lies. Armed with lies. <laughs> I drove my car through. <laughs> <laughs> but my show has been and it's been and got it was I guess it, it was, was your great. show too in the it end. It is our show. <laughs> Welcome to Good Sheila's, the Melbourne Comedy Show Festival that'll turn your stomach and warm your heart as we talk about Claire's cars and planes. <laughs> Oh, God. But for the for people from who listen, who came along, the good Sheila's folk who came along, thanks a lot. Uh, it was really nice to see um, you there. So I see some people in Adelaide from the show as well, like from good Sheila's as well. It's amazing that you're still here. I know. Why? It's amazing. We're so unreliable. We're like a boyfriend that's like, I'll call you. Yeah. And then we don't call you. No. We don't call you at all. But we want to. We, we, we've had the best of intentions. I know. But we're here. And so it's nice. Yeah. Like it's just you just get us when you get us. Exactly. Okay. Like athlete's foot. Yeah. You just get it when you get it. <laughs> and you've got to be grateful <laughs> like athlete's foot. <laughs> I'm just leading with example. Okay. Okay, Claire, you just had the second sip of a coffee that the last time you sipped it, all the grind went into your mouth? No, it's a cappuccino and so oh. they're like hits of delicious chocolate. Well, why it, do you wince when you sip it? Because I wasn't expecting it. Oh, because the, the, the second this. last sip you sipped it and then your teeth were covered in black and you <laughs> winced like you just ate a lemon. A and I thought, and I was like, oh, I won't address that because that would be embarrassing. And then um, you, you just sipped it again. again. I was like, why is she going back? And then you winced again. And it then you said it's delicious chocolate. What is going on, Claire? I have mixed feelings about everything i don't know great well the height of professionalism is back again once again we've got this episode we're chatting about a couple things aren't we claire we are we are we are we were going to kick off just just by acknowledging tina turner and telling you a little bit about the nut bush yeah which is her great um cultural contribution to australia Mm. and then we're going to talk about taylor swift and her new boyfriend Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. our views we have many and then what are we talking about? And then we're going to talk about um, gentle parenting. Gentle parenting. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the philosophy that I that I follow 
And my kids are dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So if you don't have kids, this is actually quite uh, interesting um, for you, I'm sure. It is. Because um, I don't think grow- many of us in our late 30s, can we say late 30s? Yeah, I think yeah, we have late 30s. Oh, no, we're like great. the boomers of millennials. No one, but also good. I love it. Anyway, it's. Uh, I think it's interesting. I don't. I can't remember any of my friends' parents having gentle parenting approaches. No, no. Anyway, we'll get on to that in a sec. Tina Turner, what Tina, a woman. Tina, oh, what a woman. What she's, a woman. She's passed into the great beyond where magical, strong women go, wherever that is. Heaven, Claire. Hef- oh, I don't know. But um, but we were we were looking into her and, you know, when you think about Tina Turner in Australia, you think about the nutbush. Yeah. You just think about their city limits. I think about her hair. Oh, and, and also her think, outfits. Yeah. And she also, was simply the best. She was oh. sim- And also how, like, it, she was the only thing that made footy interesting for a bit. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So for all you listeners who may not know, in the 90s, I think it was the NRL paid Tina Turner to do some basically advertising for them where she ran around with a bunch of hunky, very well-built football players who are not, I mean, if you think about a handsome football player, you think about someone kind of tall and like, you know, an AFL AFL, player. These guys were ramping. Like Like fridges. Like rectangles (laughs) with faces and like cauliflower ears. Oh, I don't know. But she's like they're sexy and everyone's like, hold up. Maybe they are yeah. the first time. But it was cool because it was like, you know, that was an era where it was, you know, racism was pretty prevalent. I mean, yeah, it still is. But that was is. a time where it was like, oh, my God, the NRL wasn't, wasn't – footy's not progressive ever. Yeah, and football's like, hold on, racism can be sexy. Hold on, Tina Turner. <laughs> I'll make an exception. She was she, she was, was phenomenal. phenomenal. She had a, And she was also a survivor of horrific uh, oh God. domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. Ike Turner was a piece of shit. Yeah, is he dead yet? I have no idea. I hope I so. hope he is. But he never recovered from that, which is amazing because men recover from everything. Everything. I mean, look at Johnny Depp at, at Bloody Can. It's, it's Can, Can, Can. I can't cans, pronounce cans. it. They fly cans. with Rex. Oh. <laughs> um, that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was speaking, like I know I'm, I've derailed it already, but uh Guy, I did a gig last night and there was three old blokes in the front row from Perth and they were just the kind of people in the audience that were desperate to make the show about them. Oh, yes. Um, I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were called Claire, Claire and Claire. No, they were uh, they were like just these old fellas. As soon as, as soon as I was the MC, as soon as I came out and, meant, and said something, they screamed out an answer like they were the only people in the room and I was like, okay, this is going to be... So I just made fun of them a lot because that's one of my favourite things to do um, to very confident white men. Uh, and But they um, uh, we found out they were from Perth and then one of the comedians mentioned Ben Cousins. Do you remember Ben Cousins? Oh, that piece of shit. Yeah. 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 So he uh, he was very, for those who don't remember him, was like a very unwell man. Like he was a drug addict and he had, a, he, he like his ex-partner had an AVO out against him. He was very, like made lots and lots and lots of bad decisions that impacted a lot of people and he's just been given pardon after pardon after pardon after pardon. Now apparently he's a commentator. Like he'd be on so much oh, money. fuck that. It's just like, oh, yeah, men are allowed to do that. They can do anything they want. Johnny Depp can have... A standing ovation at Cairns and here his ex can have um, no future because she dared to speak out against a powerful man. 
Actions have no consequences. <laughs> and I even asked, like, I asked the uh, the people who was on the gig with us, and I was like, oh, he got so many pardons. Which which female athlete got that many pardons? Like, did any of that? And they... Um, well, no female athlete was such a piece of shit. Well, yeah, but they were like, I was talking about, do you remember um, Jana Pittman, Jana Pittman? Oh, So yeah. she was, it was, like, in the Olympics a long time ago. She was, like, quite a diva. Like, she was a bad sport. Oh. She was a bit of a sookie la-la. Um, uh, on the on the field and like people like she just didn't have like you know that Aussie spirit which is she was actually quite painful to watch and she was like you know no one wants to see someone be a sook and whatever but she got crucified for that mm. and she didn't do any um they called sexual her sexual violence yes exactly <laughs> and they called her like I can't remember uh, like something about her just being completely difficult. Uh, and that still stayed with her, and so, like, and even afterwards, she became an obstetrician, and she's still like she's very qualified and stuff. But she's still kind of tired. Baby with comes her. out, and baby cries, and she cries too. And she, that she's like, so "That's hard. not what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted two babies." No, she, but she's like, I guess, like that was my example of like, oh, a female athlete who perhaps behaved not how we wanted her to behave, and she's still being crucified. And was like in. Like comparing her to Ben, ben Cousins. Cousins. It's yeah. just uh, the world is broken. But, yes, Tina Turner, Tina um, Turner. Ike Turner was a horrible man and and she managed to survive some pretty awful personal circumstances mm. and just be a remarkable remarkable human being, fail, but the nutbush. So mm. we were looking into it. Everyone in Australia knows it and I was talking to my partner about it recently before Tina died. And I was like, the nutbush, like, you know, just in reference to a wedding, he's like, what? He's from New Zealand. I was like, the nutbush. Maybe you're saying it in the wrong accent. Maybe I, the nutbush. <laughs> what they say? No, you nailed that, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I proceeded to very enthusiastically show him the nutbush and he was so confused and I was mm. like, you know it! And he's like, I just don't. I'm from a different country. New Zealand wow. is not a different country. It's not. It's Australia with it's the same different one. accents. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Was probably better leaders. What do you mean? You don't know the nutbush. Uh, they don't, it's an it's a it's an Australian thing, and so it turns out nobody knows where the nutbush comes from. If you watch the original music video, it is very like sensual and seventies. It is not, like the nutbush. It's nothing exactly. Everyone making love to the nutbush. Um, oh my it's god! It's so much fun. The nutbush. It is so much fun, but so no one knows where the dance come from. One theory is that in Queensland. Um, they taught it as part of physical education, but the Queensland Education wow. Department is like, no, we've never really had dancing on the curriculum <gasps> at that time. It just appeared. It just appeared and it became something that every Australian oh, knows and gosh. does at a wedding. So thank you, Tina, for it was probably her. But I no don't one know. Knows where the I don't bush know. Came from. I think that she would have made a cooler dance. Yeah, I'd ha- excuse me. There's nothing it's, cooler than that bush. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe. Um, but isn't it? In rem- no one knows. I just think it's remarkable. You, everybody has gone to somewhere where they do the nut bush, right? And it becomes this room of tightly packed, whooping human beings, like doing quarter turns and flinging their legs around in perfect synchronicity. Yeah. Imagine. Not being from Australia and walking into a room and by, oh no. What are they doing? <laughs> it's yeah. like a girl. And everybody knows it. Everyone knows it. I mean, like, there's like, there's dances that peep some people know, like, there's that S Club 7 dance or something that only some people know. Um, oh, what? I don't know. Or there's other, you know, there's little dances along the way that people I'll are like, like oh, stop yeah. by the Spice Girls. Yeah. We could both do that right now. I don't want to do it. <laughs> 
that's too I want you to stop right now. Thank you very what much. Are they t- macarena, everyone knows the macarena. Correct. But it's a weird thing because I feel like people used to like I've been watching Bridgerton. Of course I have. It's magical. Everyone, all the I wish I could. I wish this was a visual podcast because Brian looks like she's holding in a boo. Um, I don't. Yes, right at the edge of her butt. Um, it is the best, and I will have nothing. No more comments about Bridgerton. Not taking all comments. All of the ton. Mm-hmm. Um, no, these dancers. Like everyone knows all of these, and but but we're just not in a in a. Do you mean like the walt like waltz and like just all of the lovely dancers yeah. that old fashioned? Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. But nobody knows dancers anymore except no for Matt Bush. That is the one, Matt Bush Macarena. Then That's the, the only, only slither of culture we've got possibly left. Possibly <laughs> like the hokey pokey. <laughs> oh, the hokey pokey. Oh, that is, That's yeah, it is a pillar of society. I wonder if the hokey pokey is also just an Australian thing. International listeners, we've got quite a few of you. What Do you guys have the hokey pokey? Have you heard about the Matt Bush? What are you doing about the Macarena? Exactly. Tell us. Tell us right now. It is important. Um, but anyway, Tina, Tina, Tina did I? <laughs> we really, we were, we, we, uh, we were very sad about that. We were. Yeah, what a woman. Rest in power, mate. There is some a woman who uh, we also respect a lot who's actually made some very confusing decisions very, of late. Very, very confusing. Somebody we both adore, just Taylor you, Swift. You more so than me. especially. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't care about her as much. I remember when you were on the Swift bandwagon like way Way, I got me. 1989 on vinyl. Yeah, um, I was embarrassed when you got that. But then I was like, oh, yeah, it's actually really good. When Stevie was a wee bun and then um, one of my best mates and I am very, very fixated with her and often will share stories and like uh, about her and we've been talking about this when the Swift era tour comes to Australia that we will be front row and for the first time. I'm like, actually, no, I don't think I could in wow. good conscience go to a Taylor Swift concert. Yes. It's a big deal. Yes. The balloon and is deflating. The Swift people are cranky. It's a really, it's a really interesting broader conversation that we've had in bits on the podcast. But I had a had a similar one with my partner because when he was a when he was a kid, he loved Marilyn Manson. And Marilyn Manson, as we know, has turned into quite a horrific, like he's just done fucking terrible, terrible, horrific things. But wasn't that part of his brand? Yeah, which I've well, also a subject matter I've argued a lot with my partner about. But, um, but yes, it was part of his brand, but it was mm. supposed to be subversive and like pushing kind of cultural boundaries at the time. But it turns out when you pretend to be a gross sex villain, you actually are a gross sex villain. Yeah. Who would have thought? It's method. Anyway, so I at the same time was learning about the front man of Arcade Fire. It was another band that I really loved and he has been accused of all sorts of terrible things. And this is a band that, like, I had all of their records. Like, I just adored them. Yeah, they're great. So great. And now I'm like, oh, these are really seminal to me. I can't listen to them anymore in good Mm. conscience because I can't support in any way um, um, anything where you're upholding a dangerous culture. And this is a, and we were talking about Marilyn Manson. My partner was like, yeah, but it feels like I own it. Like some of those songs from my, from my teenage years, like they, for me, they like, they, they, they remind me of experiences and they remind me of parts of my life that I really treasure and I want to relive them through listening to Marilyn Manson. Lol. But yeah, this is embarrassing. I get it. I do get it. Like, but, but at some point you have to, you have to, look at your behavior and understand that 
everything you do has consequences. Mm. And even if it's uncomfortable, and this is what I guess modern modern times are telling us, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you're missing out on something, you have to be accountable for your impact on the broader culture. And even what you do in private matters, what you what you listen to on your own, even if you do it behind closed doors, you're reinforcing the idea that, oh, it's okay mm. as long as we do it in some context. Yeah, like when, remember how Hanson, everyone was so excited about Hanson. They were huge when we were younger yeah. and they were, they still, they tour, they have so many people that go to see them still. They've got really diehard fans and it only came out much later that they are, um, well, especially Isaac, like, very racist. Really? You t- we've talked about this on the podcast. I you brought it up. Isaac, he had like a Pinterest that was like full of like um uh like Ku Klux Klan propaganda. Oh my god, you Did we talk about yeah, this. You god, I have told me about such a this. Bad memory. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> yeah. But they still have so many people that will go to see them. I went and saw them just because I was uh curious. I went with Lucas's cousins. And uh, Lucas's cousin and sister in Brisbane, and it was actually one of the funniest concerts because everyone was um, the youngest person. Yes, <laughs> so many white hoods. What's going on? <laughs> no, and there was like everyone was wearing. Um, everyone was in the. I uh, think the youngest person there was maybe thirty-five. And then uh, everyone was tired and there's, there was no seating. It was a standing concert oh. for Hans And there was a, a support act that went for half an hour Very of a man, uh, just a man with a guitar. I didn't know him. He wasn't Taylor Swift. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? And then I, people left like halfway through lots of people were leaving because we were too tired. Oh. And when I was leaving, the like, people in the foyer, there were people lying down in the foyer. That was like God, we're old. Yes. I was like, yeah, this is too long, whatever. But everyone was, people stuck around for as long as they did because they were desperate to hear Mbop. That's all they wanted to hear. Did they play it? They played it at the very end. I missed oh, it. I was too tired. God. I went home. I laid down in the foyer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but everyone was there for that because yeah. we do want to relive we that do, moment. We we're like, do, oh my God. We were young. Yeah, 13 year old me would have been so excited that I was here. But oh, um, it's so tricky though because I, yeah, I, I have, I have strong, strong views on this. But Taylor. Taylor. My views are being challenged here, sure. which is good. They always should be. So Taylor um, has a new boyfriend. He broke, she broke up with her longtime boyfriend of six years, Joe Alwyn, who's a British actor, and they famously had a very kind of quiet relationship. They didn't have much press. They never, like, went on a magazine to be like, we're so in love. She broke up with him and since then she's been connected with Maddie Healy from the 1975 who are... A pretty subpar rock band who are known for being kind of subversive, particularly Maddie Healy, the the lead singer. So um, the interesting thing about this is when you think about the mechanics of a pop star, she has a team behind her, a Mm -hmm. powerful team of publicists and media experts and social media experts. So everything she does and everything that gets out about her is tightly, tightly controlled. So... There's pictures of Maddie at concerts, there's pictures of them, you know, at venues, pashing, like she has made a decision to be very public about this relationship. And separately she's also had him on stage playing guitar with her at her at concerts. Like she is making an active decision mm-hmm. to publicly date this dude. But Maddie Healy is a really bad guy. Yeah, he is a very bad guy. He is, like, overtly racist. Yes. <laughs> overtly racist. He was on a podcast recently where he uh, was talking, uh, he was doing accents, which is wild oh, in this day no. and age. It's wild. And he was uh, um, saying that he... 
uh, well, he said there was something horrible. He masturbates to uh, black women being brutalized. Yes. So it's a so this is in this year. This is this year. Yeah. You can't even say, oh, it was before me too. So, um, so but even still, I know. Like, even oh, still, that was fine. That was cute. Do. So he tells this horrific story on a podcast, saying that he was hanging out with his mates and. They left to go to some restaurant or geek or something and then straight away he puts on on the big stream, um, screen um, porn and starts stacking to it and a friend returns in. Just, just, just for, like, can we just have a second for that? Imagine oh, if we God, were hanging out so and you put on porn <laughs> and then started masturbating. I'll be like, Claire, The second you left, the second you left. What and are you doing? So, so a friend of theirs came back in to get her water bottle. That is oh, the amount good. This of is time. someone had left. Okay. Then all left. Did in front no, no, no. But okay. she came back like apparently like a minute later to go for a water bottle and he's there pants down jacking it to this. And so the whole story was like how embarrassing that like yeah. you know, the friend walked in and he was like, whatever, ha, 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 which is also gross, like his poor friend. Um, but what's worse is that he said he was watching Ghetto Gaggers. So Ghetto Gaggers is a horrific porn website where it's all about brutalising black women. What? And the whole concept is that it, they are impoverished, they are vulnerable and they're doing it because they have to for money and the whole thing is about them being humiliated and I won't go into any detail about what they do but if you can think about, you know, the worst, most degrading behaviours that would accompany sex acts that you can think, like it's awful, awful stuff. So that is the kind of content that he consumes. He's a bad dude. Yeah, the bad guy and then uh, uh, and now he's teamed up with Taylor. So we feel like she has probably a responsibility to um, not do things like that. Well, Imagine all of her black fans. Oh, my God, not just like anybody who has a has a social conscience. So at this point tens of thousands of her fans have signed an open letter to say, what the fuck are you doing? Who are you yeah. dating? What do you stand for? And this is the thing, she's taken on a platform and she's talked a lot about kind of, you know, equal rights and mm. opportunity and and put herself out there as a real advocate for social justice, which is a very deliberate, again, she's a massive, she's a product, you know. It's a what else? What other things has she stood up for? You know how there's some people who will take uh, stands against things. Fine, have chosen an avenue. The advocates for certain things. What has she actually? She's done a advocated lot for, for? for for gay rights and oh, LGBTQI yeah, plus inclusion, and she's also come out um, and to to ask people to vote for the Democratic Party. So she's very much made herself aligned with. And you would think if these two things are important to you, mm. uh, that you'd go cool. We have similar values. Yeah, but um, I'll continue who, what the fuck stuff. are you about? Well, yeah. The funny thing about Matt Healy is that all the 1975 fans are like, yeah, that's just his shtick. He's just subversive. Just like Marilyn Manson. Exactly. Come on, he's just a creepy, yeah. yucky little man. Exactly. It's cool. You don't, get to have, you don't get to joke about this shit anymore. And he obviously doesn't because he jacks off to people being brutalised. Yeah, well, this is how, I reckon this is how Michael Jackson, one of the reasons that he got away with the, um, the horrible things he got away with for so long is because everyone was like, 
like, oh, look, it's his, it's what he, it's just what he does. It's just what he's like. He just hangs out with his children. <laughs> Guys, relax. And everyone's like, yeah, it's his quirky little thing. So now this is this guy's quirky little thing oh. is just being a really like, disgusting racist. But Taylor Swift has never, she's, it's not like that has, she's ever been aligned with this before. And so it is shocked. It has shocked the world and people are angry at but her. But the thing, the thing that I find really confounding is that it's deliberate. Like she said to all of her publicist and marketing team, this is who I choose. And they are allowing the narrative to get out there and they're supporting him, being completely cognizant of his behaviour and the impact of his behaviour, but she's doing it anyway. That's what I find really baffling. Like it is so conscious. Mm. And now I'm like, fuck, I don't think I could go see her. Do you know how many people got Taylor Swift tattoos after (laughs) the Red album came out? Like Mm. so many people. Like I've seen lots of baristas with Taylor's version on their forearms I love that oh my god but also I don't anymore More because they've got to get them taken off again to challenge myself I suppose you know we're saying this about you know about Michael Jackson and and we're saying this about Marilyn Manson that like of course of course they were you know of course Mm-mm-mm. they were bad this is a I, I mean and I should be careful here but this is a, a woman Taylor's who, listening <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll reply to your text about this later, Taylor. Don't hey, you Taylor. worry. Um, the, we have a woman who is, you know, incredibly powerful, who is a product in and of her own right, who has an incredible social impact and has monetized it. Like what do we expect as well? I, I don't know. Like you, like it's would we ask and think she'd do anything else than be self-serving? Well, when you have a pub, like you said, a publicist team, yeah, right? it's in it's in their best interest that they, she keeps the fan base she's got, whether it's you know her interest or not. She might be overfamed. She might be like, oh, I've got enough money, which she would for a million lifetimes. Uh, she might be like, it's fine, whatever. But her publicists are like, just are like, no, 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 no. You need to keep this money coming in. There's a lot of people depending on all the money that you make. Mm. So uh, I don't. She is not a one a singular person anymore. No, no, no. She's got a, a team, a massive, massive team, and people who rely on her. And yeah, have you ever watched Notting Hill? Okay, I love that movie. I so do I. But she, <laughs> she can't. It takes a long time for her to say she's just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Oh. I love that movie. It's a really good movie. But for, for, before that, there was lots of things. She wasn't allowed to see him. It was a huge movie. We should watch it now. We should. We should stop recording. Put it on. Not stop recording. People need to hear the sound, anyway, the sound unless, of you. Unless Taylor directly apologises to me, I'm not going to a concert. Whoa, she's going to really <laughs> feel that. She'll be like, where's the smashed up car in the car park? She promised she'd be here. Yeah, but I just, it, it's really, it's it's been, it's fascinating. Fascinating when things challenge your conscience in ways that are so personal because, like, Taylor Swift has been really pivotal for me, just mm. the songs and the records. Who, and- else is, who else has let you down in your life? <laughs> <laughs> All who right. Hurt, who hurt you, Claire? <laughs> no, I'm talking about famous people. Uh, not, I don't think, I think RK5 was a big one. Yeah. Um... Every other fucking dude with a guitar, right? Yeah. They're all terrible. Yeah, I'm sure well, that they've been let you more... down, Bron. <laughs> you. 
Claire Marshall. I tried to do my show once. But there's, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of people. I think, but I mean, will she bounce back? Of course, she'll bounce back. Tell she will bounce back. Everyone, and we will, we will forgive her, and then she will move on. You'll forgive her. She, this guy won't be here around forever. She'll do one kind of tokenistic thing where she donates lots of money to a, to like a charity, yeah, charity and everyone will go see. She does care. We are very forgiving yeah. of people that we have idolized. We are very forgiving. <sighs> Louis C.K. I'm I wasn't ever a huge fan. I still I've never seen him live. Fuck that dude. I don't care about him at all. But he is again. He has. Everyone's forgiven him. Not just men. Lots of women have forgiven him. Yeah, he had a, like a sold out tour. Didn't oh yeah, he, he is just so disappointing. Now. It's just like guys, there's so many people you could watch instead. Why do you make a point of this? Yeah. It's just it's just exhausting. I'm tired. Yeah, but um, where's the love? <laughs> it's not enough. <laughs> Makes the world go round and round, though, Claire. <laughs> I don't even go with this. <laughs> gentle parenting. What a segue. Oh, yes, 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 yes. What's gentle parenting, Bronwyn? Uh, gentle parenting is where you, um, so from my, if I were to describe it to someone with, I'm looking at no notes on any phone. If someone said, if my mom said, what is gentle parenting? I'd be like, it is calm, respectful, Mm. talking to your child. It is Mm. listening to them. It is taking on how they're feeling and kind of showing them what that looks like and helping them through it slowly and gently there's mm-hmm. no slamming of doors there's no yelling there's absolutely no violence um and it it, it is uh a, it is like i guess like the foundation is patience yes so patience yes and it, there's been i guess it, like i said earlier in the podcast no, it wasn't around when we were little it was not it, it was not a, something our parents knew about that no i'm sure. growing growing up I, I don't know if it was just like the the area that i lived in but there was lots of yelling lots of parents love to yell and we became immune to it i remember there was a girl that i went to primary school with and her um her mum yelled all the time just yelled and yelled and yelled and yelled and i don't know where this, if you're listening to it and you went to my primary school and you're like is she talking about me it's not i don't know where this girl went to i don't even uh, remember her last name it doesn't matter but it was her mum yelled all the time never like it wasn't it wasn't like scary because it was just a noise that we were so used to hearing screaming woman just, like exhausted frustrated and you do this thing and i i remember i I remember it so clearly. So, for example, this girl, uh, her year six formal dress, she bought this. She, she got this year six formal dress. Huge day, huge day for Canberra, and and then she decided she didn't like it anymore. So she said to her mum, "I don't like this dress. I have to go get a new one." And then we listened to her mum scream for like twenty minutes. That's it. You so ungrateful. I buy these slamming cupboards and like just like I don't have enough money for this. You don't and um and we just waited till she'd finished uh, the screaming and then she'd go right. Get in the car. We'll get you a new one. And so it was always like it was That's just so like, good. it was just like twenty minutes of yelling, and then the the child would get her own way. And like that is not gentle parenting, let no. me tell you. But that was, I guess, that was just like uh, an example of um, the screaming that we were used to. Yeah, I guess, and it's a it's an interesting example of why gentle parenting has come about, right? Because 
the philosophy is that you teach your children emotional regulation and self-care and an ability to relate to others if you help them understand and navigate their own emotions properly. And so, you know, our our parents and you know, their parents and we mm. were not really given those skills or capabilities because it wasn't part of the philosophy with parenting. Parenting back in those days I think quite continuously was about discipline and yes. respect and you know doing what you are told and you're a child and you behave in a particular way and if you don't behave in that way you're in trouble mm. it's very very authoritarian mm-hmm. whereas our generation I think for better or worse is very invested in repealing you know repairing our own emotional selves and getting in touch with you know our feelings and being gentle and generous and just learning how to regulate and have mm. uncomfortable emotions and respond to them in a way that's healthy because they're not skills that we all have. Mm. And so we see our children and we're like, God, we really want you to grow up and be like, oh, I have a feeling and I'm going to choose to react to that feeling in a way that respects myself but is also healthy and safe for the people around me and then respond to somebody else's feelings in a way that's healthy and safe. And so gentle, the philosophy of gentle parenting is about what you feel is valid. It's always valid. You have a responsibility when it comes to reacting to that feeling. And then we help each other kind of regulate through that. So rather than like, you know, that really um, intuitive reaction when a kid is crying or like tantruming to be like, don't cry or, you know, like just get out the door, you take and this is the thing about gentle parenting, it's exhausting, it takes time, you get on their level and you're like, you, you're really upset because you don't want to put your shoes on and go to daycare, you want to stay here and hang out with mum, that's really hard, what can I do to help you, we still have to go, I've still got to go to work, um, to get your shoes on and get in the car in a way where I see and acknowledge that this is hard for you. And one thing that I find really interesting about it, obviously this is a philosophy I really ascribe to um, and struggle with, um, is that we often, the, I mean, the parenting that we grew up with disregards the emotions of children, which are very valid. Like if you come home and you've had a shit day, right, and you're like, I feel and I, this is only something I've learned recently, like come home from a really hard day at work where some really hard stuff has happened and I come home and I feel frustrated and I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I just need some quiet and a cuddle and someone to take care of me but also like just to watch something stupid on TV and someone is like I come in the door and, and, and you know, my partner was like, right, you know, we've got to do this and this and this yeah. and then, you know, we've got to do this and, and you don't have an option, I'd be like, I just had a terrible day Mm. like I really just need some space to process what I'm feeling those feelings are what kids feel all the time but if you tell them shut up like deal with it we're doing this you know you're not going to teach them that what they feel is legitimate or relevant so they're either going to suppress those feelings or become really reactive and respond in a bigger way so it's I, I, I really like it yeah but there's other philosophies which are just as valid out there. Mm. But there is, and I would say that I have maybe not as gentle as you at my house, but I will, um, I do often think that kids aren't listened to, uh, which is mm. really annoying for them and, and doesn't help them at all. Um However, there is, I reckon there is such a thing as too gentle a parenting mm. where it just, where the kid just really needs to know 
where are the boundaries where work who is in control right now Mm. and what is going on I think it is really hard watching someone be too gentle Mm. with their parenting and I think it's really confusing for a kid to be to have a parent who's like what what do you need and what do you want because sometimes you don't know what you need and you don't know what you want you are just tired (laughs) if I had like if I was really really tired and I and Lucas said to me like what what can I do to help you and I, with all of the vocabulary and expression that I have, be like, well, I don't I actually just need some space. Yeah. And him go, yeah, you know what? Okay, we're going to do that. And then give me space. And I'll be like, well, actually, I'm kind of hungry. So can you just, can we get some food? You know, like it, it kind of just needs someone to be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get some food and you're going to sit down and then we're going to have a rest. I'd be like, oh, thank God, that's actually pretty good. That's kind of what I need right now. And that is me as an adult. Mm. So I just see watching someone be too gentle and give a, give a child too many, like uh, too much, uh, de- um, I guess, responsibility of what mm. is happening next, mm. that's confusing for some mm. kids. Not all kids. Some kids are like, yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But some kids are like, well, I actually just really need you to make a decision for me right now because I'm four years old. Yeah. You, you gave me some interesting advice recently which I reflected on It was, lot. please stop driving. <laughs> <laughs> so my oldest is we're going through a pro- process of um of uh, a likely autism diagnosis which makes more and more sense as she gets older um and we've had a kind of an early diagnosis from the pediatrician there's a couple more steps like for a full diagnosis she has to see an ot and a uh and a uh, speech therapist mm-hmm. and so the the process is ongoing um and my philosophy is like, I'm gonna, you know, she's almost nine. I'm going to be very open and honest about her with what's happening. It's an issue that school's brought up. You know, she knows that she's struggling in the classroom. Her teacher's identified that the social aspects of school are very hard for her. Um, and I've been, up until recently, my approach was, look, this is, what, this is why we're going to see this paediatrician. This is what everyone is wondering. Like, we think this may be what's happening for you. Um, and starting the conversation about, you know, we celebrate your difference, it makes you remarkable, but we also need tools to help you navigate the world and, like, help the world navigate you so we, we, we you know, we keep celebrating you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so being very open with her and being like, you know, this is the journey we're going on. The, the advice you gave me was that she needs her mum to be like, to just be more authoritative here and to give her more space and to, to just be like, okay, someone's got the helm because this yeah. is really, really confusing for I her. I don't know what's going on. Why Why are we seeing these doctors? Mm. What is when the, I just, I think kids just really want to, like, I, this is my, all this is opinion-based, right? This is not like this is how and that's, it is. And that's parenting. It's the most intuitive opinion-based yeah. thing in the world and the most sensitive thing in the world for exactly that same mm. reason. It's just kids looking at their parents going, please, t- I don't understand what's going on, please tell me you know what's going yeah. on. And Make when you me feel at, safe. Yeah. And when yeah. the parent looks like they know what's going on, it's like, okay, cool, 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 I trust that. I trust I'm going to be all right because you know yeah. what's going on. And when kids look at their parents and the parents look confused, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's like, cool, all right, things in life, are, you know, there's a little message there. Things mm. in life don't make sense and you still get through it. You know, some things are hard and confusing and it's okay. Everyone is finding it hard and confusing. It's okay. 
But when you sometimes, especially when it's like, I guess when you go, um, going to see a doctor and the parent goes, I do not know. I don't know. Mm. We don't know what's going on here. Mm. I do not know. Like that's confusing. So you had a similar experience with your oldest recently. Yeah. Where she, where she was very unwell. Yeah. Um, and you were taking her to doctors and yes. the ER. How did you deal with that? So, well, badly. I dealt with it badly because, and Lucas dealt with it way better because I was at the, it was at the very end of my, um, uh, of the festival run here in Melbourne. So I'd had a whole month of show after show after show after show. I was very tired and I was not parenting the same way that I usually do because I was just like, I just wasn't all, I didn't have all my you didn't faculties. Have your reserves. Yeah. yeah. Your bucket was empty. So I looked at all of them and I'm just like a swarming with guilt uh, because I just, I hadn't been there very much. And she um, has a history of anxiety, and but it always has presented in the same kind of way. Uh, which is just like being overwhelmed, being being nervous, yeah. um, and just and looking like a deer in headlights. And so I recognised all those things, but this time, uh, she was saying my chest is really, really sore. Um, there was a, mo- a morning where she vomited blood. Oh um, my god! And and I was like, oh my god, this is really terrifying. Uh, she's really sick, so I took her to the ER. And the ER was just like. I just wish that, like, uh, they just told me what they thought, but uh, they were just being sensitive to me. Uh, I think that they yeah. maybe have had a big, like a, a lot of experiences with people Lots being of kids with mental health issues. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was just anxiety. But I didn't know that, and they knew that, but they weren't saying oh, that to me. No. They were like, "Look, she's fine. Look, we'll do a chest X-ray and all of these things. We we'll just go home anyway." Because I was like, "I don't know what this is. I'm. I. I don't trust this." My Olive, her anxiety got worse. So her symptoms oh. got worse. She had a splitting headache. She had a really horrible chest pain and this was like waking her up and it was it was really scary. I was really scared and she could see that I was scared. Yeah. And if I went and did, if I could just go back in time and do it again, I would have made her see that I was not worried yeah. and that, but I was listening to it and that we would go to the doctor if we got really bad, but I, I just thought it was it was going to it was going to pass yeah but I didn't do that I uh made it seem terrifying because I was scared and then she was scared and I just made it so much worse than it needed to be and Lucas the whole time because he wasn't as tired as what I was (laughs) uh and he had spent a whole month basically being the sole parent he was like Bron, you're making this worse. Mm. She doesn't need you stressing about this. If we just calm her down and stop taking her to the emergency department, then we're going to be okay. She's going to be, be okay. Right. And I just couldn't listen to him because I was in like that fight or flight mode because I was scared that my kid, there was something really wrong with her. Yeah. And then all of my fear was just like filtered down and given mm. to this tiny child with anxiety is just sort of. And it just made it so much worse. And so I just need to like even when you don't, this is just my theory, if you don't know what's going on, you just have to pretend you do mm. for them. Yeah, and it made it made me like reflect with Stevie, and I, I pared back a little bit on kind of the the amount of detail I'm giving her because, you know, that question and uncertainty. You know, while I'm trying really really hard to be really positive and celebrate her, and and I will advocate for her, and you know, all these things, I'm also frightened because, mm. you know, it's not easy being having autism. It's not easy, and the older she gets, the more life looks trickier for her in some ways, particularly with emotional regulation and with social things. Like like it's it's a it's very adorable actually just watching her navigate the world, just uh, uh, mimicking what she thinks 
yeah. right behavior is and, and pretending it's like the masking is remarkable even at nearly nine but um but the other part of me is like fuck if it's not autism what is it and like yeah, how do I help her where are the tools and and so and, and I'm sure that's coming through as well so I've just kind of I've stepped back and until we have that full complete final diagnosis yeah, and just great. Not having such direct conversations with her, and she she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't. It's the best part. One of the best yeah. parts about CD is that she does not care about so many things. But the thing, I, I think, just looping it back to gentle parenting, I think what we're both doing is a really critical part of gentle parenting, which is self reflection. Right? Yeah. We're looking at what we're doing, and we're being like, "Fuck, that's not quite right." Yeah. And we're doing it differently, which is, I think, so important. Like, we're going to cock it up all the time. Oh yeah. But we need to be able to look at ourselves and look at our behaviour in all of our relationships and go, how could I have done better? Mm-mm-mm. How can I be a better person? How mm. can I raise better kids? And it's it's always going to be a little bit different to what you did last time and that's okay. Yeah, everything's reactionary. Like oh, we all yeah. just, we're just trying to do is that we're a little bit different to how our parents did it but also sometimes we want to do it the same. Like my mum was the most avoidant person in the world and I loved it. Yeah. Um, and it, so I'm just like, uh, like, like I reckon I, 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 th- I honestly think it's one of my, uh, like one of the good things about me. Like I don't, I don't, like I'm perhaps not as avoidant as her like I don't want to be as extremely as avoidant as her but it absolutely has helped she was the one who was calming Olive down when she was here and Olive was in a state my mum was like oh it's fine it's a bit of blood you're fine coming out of your mouth I I was like mum she's vomiting it mum's like it's fine Bron she's fine I was like okay and she was right she was fine she just had a little tiny tear in her esophagus big deal Grow up, deal. <laughs> Avoid it. See, this is another conversation that I would really love to have on the podcast. Is it healthy to be avoided? Yes. <laughs> finished. <laughs> finished. <laughs> oh, this has been a fun episode. It's been good. We talked about that a lot. Yes. About to record another one. Woo! Yes. All right. Just em- embrace the episode. Who knows when the next one will come out? <laughs> Who knows? All right. Uh, we'll be good, Sheila. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.